This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, the new Apple spokesman, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? I mean, I'm great. I can't can't charge my phone while I'm talking to you, but, you know, it is what it is. I still got an Apple 7S. <laughs> Sounds like a waste of a phone. Uh, also with us, back from his battle with the Black Plague, Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? Well, I, I beat the plague, but I got leprosy now. So, you know, shit's falling off, but yeah, I'm still here. It's been downgraded to the Gray Plague. There you go. <laughs> I'm starting to get some gray hair, so here we are. You and me both, man. Yeah, you guys are old. That's the cost of being an admin of that damn group. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alright guys, um, this obviously you can tell by the title of the show going to be our position breakdown as we move into the wide receivers. But first, as always, we're going to do mailbag and we have a little bit of news for you. So jumping into the mailbag here, Jay Russell asks the first question this week. He says, I'm sure you've all have seen that Jeremy Macklin has been released. What do you think the odds are that he ends up in Nashville and do you think he'd be a good fit with us? Low odds. Um, I don't see them spending money on a Mac at this point. He's going to go to a team that's a contender, and you know we're starting to look like we might be. I, I don't see him wasting the last few years of his career uh, on anybody less than somebody who's got a shot at it. it it's one of those moves that, other, other than cost cutting, it makes no sense to me why they cut him. I know he he didn't have a great year last year, and they probably figure they can replace his production with other players. But he's only you know what a year removed from being a Pro Bowler, and as much as I think he would help us, I don't see us bringing him in because we've already invested in young wide receivers at this point. So I I think he could be here, he could play, uh, you know, slot receiver day one if nothing else. Uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, I don't either. I think that. You know, I don't. I'm not even sure if it was just a uh, financial situation with him getting cut, or if there's something behind the scenes. Um, from a fantasy aspect, I did. I think I owned him maybe in one or two leagues, and he did not pan out for me. Uh, but with that being said, I, I think he was actually physically injured as opposed to a couple years ago when he had that illness going on. Um, and I'm not even sure exactly what he had, but it was it was something he had that that uh, started in college, I believe. But I don't know if it's related to that or if it's strictly financial or if, you know, whatever his injury was last year is, you know, catching back up with him. I don't see him in Nashville at all. Uh, not to say that he mo- he won't come back to a team and, and who knows if he can even play anymore. But um, <clears throat> chances are pretty pretty good that he does come back to to the nfl on a different team for probably a a cheaper deal um but no i don't see him in nashville 
Yeah, I'm going to agree. Um, low odds. I, d- I don't see him becoming a Titan. And, uh, Glenn, you bring up a great point, I think, and it's the price point. I think he's going to be more expensive than we're willing to give up. If he was willing to take a, a pay cut, you know, absolutely. Why wouldn't you go get him a big boost to the wide receiver core? You get a veteran that can come in here and really lead these young guys uh, that's had a pretty solid NFL career so far. But, you know, he's either going to want to go to a team that's a contender, like Glenn said, or he's going to want to get paid. And I don't think right now you could put us in the role of, you know, Super Bowl contender quite yet. Uh, and I don't think that John Robinson's going to want to, you know, go pay a buttload for uh, a wide receiver that's, you know, had some injury history, as Matt was pointing out. So, yeah, I think the odds are low. I think he would be a good fit for our offense, um, you know, but I just don't think that financially it makes sense for the Titans to go after Jimmy Macklin. For uh, shits and giggles, though, where would he land on our depth chart, do you think? That's a good question. I think it, you know, Matthews knowing the system and as productive as he was last year, I think I'd still put Matthews ahead of him and it would depend on how good Corey Davis was in workouts, how fast he um, learns. You know, because Macklin would come in at the disadvantage that – of not knowing the system, but Davis is at that same point. So I think he'd probably start at two. I think that's about where he would be too. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to be in a rotation at that point with the top two or three guys. And I, I'm pretty sure that Macklin is a good enough receiver that he could beat out, uh, Corey Davis as a rookie. Uh, don't know that it would last very long beyond that, but you know, he could also push Matthews down the list. It's Macklin's a really good receiver. If he's healthy, and if he can stay healthy for the whole season, he, he would definitely disrupt the uh, depth chart. Yeah, and I think that would actually hurt us moving forward with this team. So he is probably, you know, he, it's safe to say he is better when healthy than, you know, Taewon Taylor and, and arguably Corey Davis, however you want to look at it. But it's just going to, it would hurt us um, or those guys growing, you know, into the into the playbook and getting them settled in. So, I don't see it happening whatsoever. All right, guys, let's move on to the next question here. This one also wide receiver related. You know, we've had our ups and downs um, with wide receivers for a while now, quite some time. So Mallory Walsh asks, at the end of the season, where do you think our wide receiver core will rank among the NFL? Probably middle of the pack. Um you know, they were a real concern for us last year, and they did okay. Uh, it all depends on how much we throw the ball, how well Marcus plays. Uh, we have what looks like on paper a pretty decent group. Uh, they got a lot of proving left to do before I can put them in the top half of the league, though. For me, it's too hard to say. I mean, middle of the pack's an easy answer. I think that That's I there, is, there, <laughs> yeah, there is way, there's way too much to uh, – to be determined and I don't think we'll fall on the on the other side of that coin but you know right around the middle but I would even say that the the potential is there to maybe not well I don't know top 10 is kind of pushing it in my mind I don't think we have um that kind of offense right now now who knows what we turn into because with the new weapons we're adding our offense could change so it's too early to say but you know middle of the pack is, is the easy answer 
Yeah, we we did a lot in the off season. You know, getting two rookies coming in. Um, we're seeing Matthews last year coming off of a really good year. Taja Sharp, you know, it's, we're going to talk about later, um, contributed. I think that we're going to be around that uh, middle of the pack, though, still. I mean, two of your guys that you want to be big contributors this year are going to be rookies. You know, most of them still being either relatively young guys or at the end of their uh, careers, like a Harry Douglas. And then you have kind of Matthews as the only one that's in between there. So it's still going to be some learning curve. There's going to be some struggles. So middle of the pack, I think, is a fair assessment. I think, you know, 2018, 2019, you start looking at the Titans being, um, you know, top 12, top 10, maybe in that region. If the, you know, Davis and, and Taylor come in as promised and, you know, play to the potential that we think they have. But for this season, even if they have good years, they're still rookie guys. They're still really young. They have a lot to learn, you know, going moving into the NFL, moving into a much bigger route tree and and the like. So as these guys progress, I think it goes up. But I, I still think you're looking probably at like 13, 14 being the top, being the very high end, the ceiling of what they probably can be this year. All right, guys, next question here from Joe Griffin. And he asks, with Matt Castle being injured, do you think the Titans will bring in another quarterback? No. Uh, they've already said that they're not going to do it. Uh, they're just going to get the young guys more reps this way and give them a chance to fight it out a little bit. No, because that's what Mike Malarkey said. No, we're not going to do that. We have enough guys. Um, I don't remember his name. Dude from Western Kentucky. They're uh, pleasantly surprised with how much he's picked up. And between him and Tanny, they are good. And plus, Castle will be back. Right. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, Matt Castle's out six weeks for an injury on his throwing thumb. Um, you know, that puts him back in time for training camp. So, no, Mike Malarkey's already said that he's not going to go after somebody. That uh, Tyler Ferguson, the guy you're talking about out of Western Kentucky, has been playing good. I've also heard a lot of good things from Alex Tanny. You know, the coaching staff has had a lot of good things to say about him through these mini camps uh, and OTAs. I don't think, unless Matt Castle's injury is more severe than we thought or, you know, there's going to be a surgery that's necessary, anything that prolongs his injury and deep in, deep into the season, you know, more than probably week four, um, then I think you might see them go after somebody. But I, I, you know, I don't expect it to be, uh, you know, an RG three or a Kaepernick or one of the bigger names. I think if we did go after somebody, it'd be somebody that would, you know, fight Tanny for a backup spot um, until Matt Castle can come back. I don't think it'd be anybody big name anyway. Let's talk about Colin Kaepernick. Oh, let's not. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sonny Ali asked the last question this uh, in this mailbag. With the success of the Predators... Oh, sorry, hold on. I just said that wrong. <clears throat> Will the success of the Predators have a positive effect on the Titans' attendance this coming season? Yes. Glenn, I'm cutting you off. Yes. Um, Glenn's a Penguins fan, for those of you that don't know, so boo him. 
But you, uh, you want. I don't watch hockey, but the only reason I ever <laughs> ever watched my first game the other night when the Preds whooped that ass is because of the Titans. Um, I'm not a Nashville guy, as most of you probably know, but um, nor am I. You know, never. I don't even understand the rules completely of hockey, but I did watch. Um, if it wasn't for the Titans getting involved, it wouldn't have happened. I'm just not a hockey guy, but I will support you know, the Preds in this situation. I hate all things Pittsburgh, so that's a big part of it as well. Uh, but the city is going to see a winning team. You know, even if they don't win the Stanley Cup, I still say, you know, going into their house, they showed support to pretty much the best of their ability. Um, it's going to translate into Titans football. If we put a winning product out there, the fans are going to show up. That's fair, and I think so too. Uh, as long as... Um, the Predators can find a way to win the series, then there's a winning tradition starting the buildup for the city. Well, it's not going to happen, but it could. And, uh, <laughs> I, I'm just pausing to let all the booze and the people flip off the uh, the, <laughs> the phone or whatever they're listening to. Fuck you, Glenn. <laughs> all right, and uh, then moving back on to football, you know, it, there's no question that there's a lot of energy in this city, and I expect the Predators players to show up at the Titans games, just like the Titans players have been showing up at the Predators games, and that will help too. Uh, if they do win, then you can introduce you know, your NHL champions at the game and get the fans that much more hyped up, and people will show up to get you know, autographs from those guys. Uh, what kills me is that there's about as many people as it would take to fill up the Titans stadium showing up at Bridgestone, even though it only seats like 17,000, 18,000 people. So there, there's you know thirty, forty thousand people standing around in the streets, watching these, uh, watching from outside. We need to translate that energy into filling the uh, the uh, Titan Stadium, and just deafening people. Like you know, I'm sure people saw the pictures of the uh, Penguins fans holding their ears because Bridgestone was so damn loud. That's what we need to happen next year with the Titans fans. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think it's going to translate, um, hopefully a good bit. We'll see how much it translates. But, you know, the Titans are getting better. We went from winning two, three games a year. Last year we were a playoff, you know, in the playoff race uh, until week 16. We um, <clears throat> were starting to put a team together that, that could have playoff chances, that could have division titles coming very soon. You know, that that is going to get them – fans back into the the titans but also having another team you look at like any any sports town when one team goes on a run like that it does help the attendance of the other teams that are in that city um you know that i looked it up uh today when i was just messing around just to see just interested and bears tickets soared in the mid 90s and it was because the Bulls were so good. You know, when the Bulls are winning a championship left, right, and center, you know, every damn year, the Bears tickets were selling absolutely fantastic. They had a spike. And it was because, you know, there's more energy in the city. There's more love for those hometown teams because one of them's doing so fantastic. So with another team in Nashville playing this well at this level, I think it's absolutely going to have uh, a positive effect for the Tennessee Titans. So... You know, I'm excited to see it too, and, and I'm not uh, a Predators fan. I'm a Capitals fan, but I'm 
I'm very happy to see you know the Predators take this step, and very exciting to see. And man, does that stadium ruthless! You know, the other night uh, chanting at Murray, that was just awesome to see. Um, you know, we're recording here on Monday night. They're about to play Game Four of that series, so we'll see how it works out for them. But uh, that's hey. Go let me ahead. ask you before we go off topic here, because again, I don't watch it. Right. But what is up with the catfish? What does it mean? It's tradition. Yeah, it's like a tradition. It's supposed <laughs> to be good luck. Like if you're one time a long time ago, uh, I forget who it was now, but some hockey team was getting smoked in a game, and someone threw a fish out on the ice, and they came back and won. That you know the team. So it's that's what it was supposed to be. They were getting beaten. The guy threw it out on the ice, and it's supposed to be like you know they're going to come back now. They're going to lead a rally, kind of like a rally does cap. Any, right, the rally monkey. I get it. Does um, does any other team do that, or is that just like a Nashville thing right now? There was the uh, the, the Detro- octopus. Yeah, Detroit had the octopus. I know some other teams that have had different fish yeah, on the I've, ice. I've seen shit like that. Like the only thing I know about hockey is what I played on like Nintendo. I used to be able to, yeah. Blades of Steel and that other. There's some other. Man, Blades of Steel was a great fucking game. <laughs> yeah, I yes, it was. Ryan, Ryan wasn't even born yet. I know. <laughs> I still, I still had it. I still played it. I had a little, an older brother, so I still got to play Blades of Steel. <laughs> nice. Anyway, that's all. I okay. just didn't understand the catfish. Yeah, that's, that's all that's going on. It's just a one of those things. Or someone said, "Hey, let's do this." I, I heard it was like a guy who had a restaurant or something in town that threw it out there for the first time. But I, they were talking about it on the radio the other day, but it doesn't matter. It's just that sounds that familiar. That sounds. What familiar. do you think would happen if we threw catfish out on uh, in Nissan Stadium? Well, you saw last year someone wasn't at the Browns game or the Bills game where they threw a, a dildo out onto the field. Maybe it's catching on in the NFL. Just that's really not what I want to be pushing on this show, guys. <laughs> it's instead for the NFL, it's going to be sex toys. For the uh, you know NHL, it'll be. Uh. Okay, Speaks. moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I expected that from Matt, not you, Glenn. <laughs> Just, let, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for everybody who submitted stuff for the mailbag. As always, you can find it on our Facebook page or on the Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook page. Let's move on to the news, guys. There's not a lot here to cover. We did sign third-round draft pick Taewon Taylor. It's a four-year, $3.3 million deal with just under a million dollars guaranteed. You know, normal rookie deal for a third-rounder. But it's nice to see we get him signed. Still have a few guys to sign, um, most notably our first-rounders. But still, you know, getting them done pretty early on. Doesn't seem like anybody's fighting yet, you know, or putting up a fight, which is always great to see. So hopefully the rest of this just goes as smoothly as it has so far. I expect it to. Yeah. What? <laughs> great great insight. <laughs> great <Matt>. insight. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> the next piece of news we have, we signed UDFA Mark Spellman and uh, subsequently waived uh Kareem Barton, who's been with the team. He you know, guys bounced around from team to team, uh you know, uh shit, what's it called? Practice squad guy. Replaced him with Spellman, uh who had a Pretty good college career, but seems to be a guy that's just going to be, you know, camp body status. Spielman? You ever heard of him? All guys that aren't going to matter when it comes down to it. Yeah, camp bodies. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is that is what it is. Just, of course, slow news cycle. Um, we talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit earlier. 
Um, and the other thing, Matt Castle, which every, I think everybody knows now, but getting injured, uh, going to be out six weeks, as we said earlier. And so he should be back in time for training camp. So it shouldn't be an issue going into the season. But if something does happen, we will bring you guys up to date with it. But Yeah, you know what is news, the fact that Kevin Dodd's still not playing. We right. Don't, we don't know what's going on with that. Right. Um, you know, I saw a thing that they're saying that he wasn't in the locker room for these interviews that they've been doing uh well yeah that's the thing like that was my question because like nobody knows what the fuck's going on so i figured hey if these guys you know take a microphone and a recording into the locker rooms to ask players certain questions i figured well the one question everyone wants to know is what the hell's going on nobody knows you know, last year we heard a lot from the coaches and, and the staff talking about how Kevin Dodd's mind wasn't in it, how he mentally wasn't there. And now you're hearing, like, you know, you know, he's just you're not hearing anything about him. He's, you're, you know, still not on the field. And that might just be with the injury thing and 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 trying to get out of the public eye a little bit, which is understandable. But it only makes you feel more doubt towards him. And and you guys remember, this is a guy that I had a lot of praise for coming out of college. I liked him a lot. Um, ultra productive player at Clemson. But, you know, it's that bust, you know, monikers start to be thrown around with him and it's it's still early on and he still definitely has time to change that, but you know, you gotta change the attitude and, and stay in the facilities, get the workouts you need to get, you know, stay with, the, you know, with the team, get as absorb as much knowledge as you can and mature as a player. And I just wonder how much of that he's doing right now. I think it's a fair question until we get some news. It's all just wild conjecture on our part. Um, I don't want to, you know, call the young man out as, you know, being lazy or not interested in football or anything else. You know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with it, but it's starting to look like a, you know, arrows pointing down. Yeah, I mean, it's not Zach Brown or anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's all we have. Zach Brown played more. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All right, that's all we have for the first half of the show. When we come back, we will be doing our receivers breakdown, getting you up to date on everything you need to know with this receiving core for the Tennessee Titans. So we'll, sorry, so we will be right back. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etcha Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are 
left field. It's a miracle. The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of 2TONE Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, welcome back after that quick commercial break. Before we jump right into the receivers here, just want to give everybody a reminder. We still are selling the Two Tone Uncensored t-shirts. You can find them on our Facebook, on our Twitter or on our site, twotonepodcast.podbean.com. So go ahead and check those out. You know, they're not that expensive, like 16 bucks for a shirt, and they're pretty cool designs. So definitely check them out, and, and you can find them there, and it tells you exactly how to order on our Facebook and on the site if you're interested in ordering them. All right, moving on, guys. Let's talk about these wide receivers. The first guy I want to bring up, is Rashard Matthews. Last season, 65 catches for 945 yards and nine touchdowns. At the beginning of the season, I don't know if you guys remember or not, we predicted how many yards we thought the Matthews would contribute. And I believe I, I said around the 400 mark, and I was the low. And Matt, you were the high. And I believe your high ball was 700. So he was better than any of us predicted had a big season for us this year and looks to have a big season for us next year last year of course started seven games as the number one wide receiver and all of them came in the last nine games of the season so as the season wore on Matthews became a bigger and bigger part of what we were doing had some very big key moments for us last season and really submitted himself as the number one wide receiver going into the offseason how do you feel about Matthews and you know how much he did surprise us this season I think when we gave those numbers and I think you lowballed me I think I said seven or eight but anyway we were all counting on Kendall Wright being a fucking titan which he was a titan on the bench and the occasional uh slot slot route that he would just fall over but um Matthews have definitely stepped into that role, and I don't think he's going to go anywhere, even if we add another receiver, even with Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor coming in. He's got a good thing going for him. He was a young young kid coming in. I still think he has a few good years left. Not not as far as like you know his age. I'm not sure how old he is, but he's not – I didn't mean it like that. I think he's just coming into his prime, and I think him and Mariota have great chemistry, so – it's not far-fetched to think he can do another 1,000-yard season, even with the new additions we're adding. Uh, I think he's pretty much cemented into this offense. Matt Matthews really showed a lot last season uh, as far as it has bid to be the number one guy. Didn't stop us from drafting Davis, obviously. But I, I believe if Davis can become the number one guy, Matthews is a really strong number two. Uh, he's been a every-other-season producer, so I'm really curious to see how this season goes for him. Um, just he showed good hands. He's willing to fight for the ball. He looked like he got more comfortable in the system as the year went on. So it, it's a good sign that uh, we're even having this discussion about whether he's the number one or number two guy. 
he gave us decent production last year. It, it wasn't huge, but no one did. Just we are on a pass happy offense, so I, I think you'll get probably about the same from him. Maybe uh, as the number two guy instead of the number one. Exotic Smash Mouth pass happy. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matthews had a great season last year. You know, just shy of a thousand yards. He put up really good numbers. He had some big moments for us. That you know, that catch he had uh, in that game against the Bears, diving in the back of the end zone. It's one of my favorite memories from the entire season. He had a really good year, and really surprised me. I didn't. Like, I thought the guy was talented and stuff, but I also, like Matt said, I thought you know Kendall Wright was going to be more of a contributor than he was. I think also, you know, Mariota's development surprised me a little bit. I think he took a bigger step forward this year than I think I expected, which also obviously is a contributing factor. It was awesome. You know, he's he came in uh, as a guy that, you know, did okay in, with the Dolphins and, you know, kind of was getting pushed back their depth chart and came in and, and stole the number one wide receiver spot and was our best receiver you know most productive receiver last year even over Delaney Walker so you know fantastic season and we took took in a guy pretty cheaply I might add and and he really showed us that he has a lot to give us and a lot to help out this team so awesome stuff and Glenn you kind of touched on my next point I was going to bring up with Matthews is with bringing in Corey Davis obviously it does put pressure on Matthews at that number one spot so my next question is, does Matthews start as the number one wide receiver at the beginning of the season, and do you think he keeps that role throughout the season? There's every chance that he starts as the number one guy just because Davis has got a lot to prove. I don't think they're going to move him down. Um, I don't know that you're going to see any real difference. As far as who's on the field, I think he and Davis are your number one pair. I don't know that this this offense – being a number one receiver matters as much. We're just going to see who Marcus gets comfortable with and who he throws the ball to the most. The biggest difference is going to be when they're running third down plays, when they're calling plays for a specific receiver and trying to set somebody up, who's the guy that they're going to? You're going to see a lot lot of two or three wide sets, but you're going to be running the ball a lot when you're in a two wide set. So it takes a lot of trust in your receiver. We're going to find out pretty quick if Davis and Matthews are your true number one set, or if whenever you're in a run set, if you bring in somebody else who's going to run block a little bit harder for you or that you trust to be able to get a little bit more open in a third-round situation, that's going to be more telling to me than who's the number one guy. Who do they trust? Who do they call plays for on third downs is what I want to see. Exactly. I think he's going to be on the field you know, no matter what as long as he stays healthy. Corey Davis has all the opportunity. If he can go ahead and, and run with it, you know, we're obviously in a great situation. But you look at Delaney Walker, who could easily be our, again, our top receiver, or, you know, add Johnny Smith into that mix as well with Taewon Taylor. Uh, so many options. I still say Matthews will probably have, statistically, if, if he stays healthy, the best or the most yards this season. Corey Davis, I think, probably will will maybe produce about 60% of what Matthews does, if that, and I'm not even sure he can do that. I just, I, I'm really not sure with what kind of sets we're going to see and, and how many different uh, wrinkles we can throw out there because 
we have a ton of options this year. I think more than we've probably ever had if these guys pan out, mind you. But I'm really excited to see what we can do. But Matthews pretty much earned his role, and I think he keeps it. I think, obviously, starting out from the beginning of the season, he's going to be the number one wide receiver. You know, Davis, is. it's going to take him time to learn. And plus, right now, you know, we're going to talk about Davis in a second, but right now he's still nursing an injury, coming back from this injury. So they're easing him into everything. So it's going to be a little bit longer until you see him get meaningful time, meaningful, you know, drills and stuff. And, and meanwhile, Richard Matthews is still getting all of those reps. So... You know, that obviously gives Matthews a big leg up. I think as the season wears on, you might see them trade a little bit back and forth in a couple of games. Who's going to be the number one receiver? But I still think no matter one receiver or not, like Glenn was saying, I still think Matthews is going to be the most productive receiver on this team. Now, you know, it depends on what we see from Davis this year, if that continues into the following season. I think Corey Davis is, you know, we're slowly going to work him into being our, you know, top receiver, you know, the the guy. That's why you draft a guy like that fifth overall. So I think his rookie year, though, I think Matthews is going to be still, you know, getting the more, you know, barring injury, getting more targets, getting more receptions um, than Davis throughout the season. Uh, but I think that that, is not going to last over the years to come. I think Davis, you know, if he is what he's promised to be, is going to take that role from Matthews. But still, you know, I'd be glad to have Matthews on the team. He really was very productive for us this year and proved quite a threat uh, down the field. But let's move on here to Corey Davis, guys. Obviously, our first-round draft pick, and and not the guy that we wanted, uh, speaking for us three, but, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. He's starting to get more used to it, more comfortable with the fact uh, that he's on the team. At 6'3", 209 pounds, he's got a great frame. Ultra productive in college, you know, in the MAC conference. He, like I said earlier, underwent ankle surgery in July. But just about a week ago, he said that he could play right now. If the, if the Titans had a game right now, he'd be good to play. But they're still the the coaches are doing the exact same thing they're doing with Marcus and easing him back into it, you know, not trying to force him into anything, not trying to risk a re-injury. You know, how much does that injury right now weigh on your mind as you know moving forward with Corey Davis and as we get closer to the season? For me, obviously, he wasn't the guy I wanted, not because of anything I saw on film or you know anything against him personally, but. I almost ignored his film and just tried to stay away from him just because I wanted Mike Williams that bad. But, um, you know, it doesn't get any easier as far as, or I'm not more, let me put it this way, I'm not more comfortable with him on the team now because I haven't seen anything from him. So I love the potential he has, and I'm not going to knock anybody that we select unless maybe it was Jameis Winston over Mariota, but luckily I didn't have to do that. I've never done that before. Like, you know, when you're a Titan, you're a Titan. So um, I'm embracing him, but we haven't seen anything from him yet. So the potential is, is, you know, sky high, but his injury is still keeping him off the field. And I'm not saying rushing back because it's clearly not worth it to do that. But at the same time, I haven't seen anything yet. So, you know, I'm not I, I don't feel comfortable with the situation at all. I'm not in any rush to see this guy play. I you know the OTAs just 
learn what you can learn when we get to the preseason. That's whenever I expect to see him running around and really proving it. When you look at his tape, he's got all the ability, and there's no point in taking that off the table by pushing him too hard early on. I expect big things from him this year because we did take him that high, and I trust John Robinson not to waste the number five pick in the draft. So I'm going into this season expecting Davis to really give us something. Yeah, this is a guy I'm still not very high on. I think that he is a good player, and he has the ability to be really good. I thought he was very overvalued, overestimated when in the draft. I think we took him too high. But I don't think we get Corey Davis if we drop back. I don't. I, obviously, I don't think that would have been the case. I just think that he was you know, overvalued. I got to see Davis play in person, uh, and he, he does run clean routes, but a lot of the separation he got had to do with the talent that he was playing. I've said this before on the show. You know, it, Running a clean route and getting separation are, are two different things, and he was getting lots of separation against very weak level college talent. You know, for instance, one of the games I watched him play, uh, you know, against the high university, he had great stats that game. But this is also a team that gave up like 400 plus yards to Texas State. You know, this it's not a good team, and we were the second best team in the MAC behind Corey Davis's uh, Western Michigan led team. That is the kind of talent he was going up against. You know, it's it wasn't great. So a lot of that separation, I'm going. I wonder if he can continue to do that at the next level you know you look at his tape the production speaks for itself he was ultra productive like a touchdown machine but the talent level that he played against scares me i don't think he's obviously not going to be that productive in the nfl starting off but i just it makes me wonder if he can keep up and get that kind of separation against nfl corners i don't know i guess we'll see you know obviously I want the most out of him. You know, he's a Titan now, like you know Matt says. He's always says on the show, and he's not Titan now. I'm gonna obviously root for him. I just, it's not exactly where I wanted Tennessee to go with that pick. I'm not very worried about the ankle right now. You know, it's it's not that big. He's had a lot of time to recover, and they're easing them in. I love the way that Malarkey's handling these injuries in the off season. You know, just to add another, you know, kind of metal onto uh, Mike Malarkey's chest. He's He's been done an excellent job of handling these injuries, not rushing guys back in, uh, playing the timetables very intelligently, I think so. But I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm not a big fan of Corey Davis. I think that he was overvalued. Now, I hope that I'm wrong, and he proves me wrong, and, and he's an absolute stud. One thing I want to throw in before we get it off topic, and I don't know if you guys will be honest with me or anyone else listening. You know, obviously I said if you become a Titan, I root for you. That's just how it is. The Titans are my first and foremost favorite sports team over Clemson, over the Mets, over whoever I root for. Are the Titans your number one sports team? Without question for me. Uh, the only team that compares would be the Rockets, and that's – partly because of uh, they're still in Houston. But it's the Titans, it was the Oilers, and then it was the Rockets for me. And everybody else after that is on a whole different tier. I don't care nearly as much about hockey, less about baseball. I'm a a big fan of Bundesliga professional soccer in Germany. 
still uh, way down there. It's it's Titans, Rockets, and a whole bunch of other people. You know, the the I used to write for the Houston Rockets. I, I broke into sports writing with them originally, but even then, my tagline was "OU Titan." It's always been about the Titans, so that, that is absolutely my first team. Moreland, I don't know if you're going to be honest right here. Well, maybe you are. You sound like you're about to. No, I've, no yeah, I've um, <laughs> Titans have always been you know huge for me. Uh, it would be tough though to be honest. It'd be very close between them and West Virginia. Obviously, my college team, just because of how much West Virginia like meant growing up for me. Because I grew up really close, you know, about forty five minutes from Morgantown, West Virginia. I went to the games like all the time growing up. Um, from like the age of like eleven, I think. All the way up until I graduated from high school, we were season ticket holders, so I got to see, uh, you know, a lot of games, and that was a lot of years of that was during the, the Steve Slayton and Pat White days when we had a really good football team. So it'd be tough, but you know, in the last, if you would ask me this question probably like three, four years ago, I probably would have said West Virginia, but now. Clearly, Glenn and I have persuaded you. <laughs> no, it, it was before wagon. you guys. It was before you guys. But, um, but you know, doing the show every week and stuff, obviously you get more in-depth into it. And, um, you know, you pay attention more. You're taking notes all the time and stuff. And Plus, I think a lot has to do with, you know, when watching those Jake Locker years and stuff, and then I turn over and I'm watching oh. Pat White rush for 300 yards a game and, and winning it. It's hard to... You know, love the team as much, but now, you know, you're seeing a trend and we're getting better. It's easier to, you know, get more into it and, you know, check updates every day and then read stuff. You get excited again. It's really hard to say. I would say that they're definitely the two teams. You know, I'm a Capitals fan in hockey, but that doesn't compare to football for me. You know, I'm an Orioles fan, but I hardly watch baseball. Um, I'm a Wizards fan, you know, but. You know, basketball is not as big for me. So it definitely comes down between college football and pro football for me, and it'd be really tight right now, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think Titans are on a whole another level from any of them, but Clemson is like the next best, and then after that, it's not even comparable. Like I, same with me as far as watching sports goes. I used to be a big uh, Georgetown Hoyas fan. I used to watch the Sixers. Iverson was my favorite basketball player. When he left, I stopped. The Mets. They had a great year last year, but even then, I didn't watch until you know when it when it when it really mattered. This year, they're awful, which is usually what I'm used to. So, but it's just like when you got a guy like Watson going to the Texans, like you know he won Clemson a national title. That's never going to be forgotten. But now he's a Texan. He's not quite dead to me, but he's like you know I got to put him in a separate category. He's dead to you. He's almost dead to me. Luckily for me, Matt. Um... West Virginia players get to the NFL and either like suck ass or just like ruin their own <laughs> careers. So you never really have to live through the pain that much. Um, now I tell you what, you know, being a West Virginia fan and a Titans fan, I get the question all the time about Pac Man, and it was uh, fucking absolutely devastating. <laughs> like uh, I loved Pac Man Jones. Like he was my world at that age, and uh, and you know, I, I had an absolutely fantastic college career. Then gets drafted that early by my favorite pro team. You know, I was ecstatic. You know, it, and then the way it worked out. You know, with him 
beating strippers for taking the money he threw at them, you know, is is just heartbreaking. Um, <laughs> yeah, that special kind of stupid. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then, of course, you had like Chris Henry around the same time, who was, yeah, Chris Henry Chris. was getting all the trouble and stuff, and then really started to turn his life around. It seemed like he was getting his head on straight, and then had the the accident where he died, you know, tragically. So, and and I barely remember this was he in the back like standing in the back of a pickup or something he was his uh, from what i remember uh you know it's been a while but his girlfriend uh was driving the truck away and he was trying to run it down and like caught up to her and like jumped to jump into the back of the pickup truck and she was like still moving and he like didn't quite make it and uh from you know the injury sustained didn't live through it Wow. Well, hey, listen, I'm about to go because my phone's not going to allow me to stay. This is way more fun than talking about receivers, but you guys have fun wrapping it up with the camp bodies. It's been real. <laughs> I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys next you, week. You don't want to stay here to uh, defend Taylor? <laughs> um, no, you can badmouth them and I'll listen. And then next week I'll rebuttal. There you go. <laughs> All right. See you, man. All right. Later. Glenn, I was going to bring up one more question before moving on here real quick. You know, because Corey Davis, you know, none of us were high on him. And none of us were big on the pick. And, he, you know, he could turn out to be absolutely amazing. And obviously that's the hope. But going in Titans in Oilers history, has there ever been a pick that you just did not like for the Titans and and you ended up eating your words for you, uh, you know, later on that player turned out to be, you know, pretty fantastic? No, I'm pretty much a god. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's not a lot of guys that I've just hated. I'm generally really optimistic about people that we draft. I was not a fan of a guy that we've already talked about here and Kevin Dodd. I didn't like that pick. Uh, I thought Hunter Henry would have been a much better pick at that point in the draft. I haven't been proven wrong by it yet, though, so I'm still good with that. Who are you going to name? The one guy that, uh, you know, and it wasn't because of the talent, it was because of where we picked him, for me, was Chris Johnson. And I was familiar with Chris Johnson because right before he got drafted, you know, East Carolina played a one-and-one series for two years with West Virginia, so I got to see him in college. And he actually, you know, led the team past us one of those years. They actually upset us the one year. And he was really good in college. You know, he's he was fantastic with that team he's the reason why we lost that one time that we played him and the other time that we played him uh you know with him on the team even though we did beat him it was a lot closer you know than most people expected heading into it because you know it's a small school going up against a much bigger school and he was the reason in that game as well so he was good but i thought that we were getting like two you know rubson webster kind of reaction we saw that 40 time and we got like too excited about it and took him way earlier than I think a lot of people expected. You know, some analysts back then were still saying that he was a late second round, early third round pick. I think the consensus, most people thought a second round pick, and we got him in the first. I did not, I was not a fan of that pick. If we would have got him in the second or third round, I would have been very happy with the pick. But that early, I was, I I hated it. I absolutely hated that pick. And you know, a few years later, the guy runs for 2,000 yards. I think he still holds the record for most rushing yards over a three-season span in NFL history, you know, which is a record that speaks for itself, obviously. So I was absolutely wrong. You know, we one of you know the few Rustin Webster picks where he hit it out of the park. 
I was happy about that pick uh, when they made it, just because he was such a departure from what we had been doing with that position. Uh, just a pure speed guy, and we had an offensive line at that point that I felt he could excel with us because they could open holes, they could protect the edge and get somebody around the side, but we didn't have the backs who could take advantage of all that. What killed me was just three years later, you start to see him struggle behind our shitty offensive line, and that's whenever I was getting pissed off. But now, like, like I said, I'm usually really optimistic. I think the pick that I've liked the least in the last several years, well, no, a bunch of Russian Webster stuff. <laughs> uh, whole drafts of his, I've really hated. Uh, we, we've taken quite a few guys, but I've never, I don't think I ever had anybody turn around and convince me otherwise. Generally, because it was only recently in the last, you know, four or five years that I really started even looking at uh, the players and doing research and watching film because I just didn't have access to all that stuff before. So there were right. lots of guys I didn't know anything about, so I didn't know them to hate them. So that that was a big part of it because by the time I got done with college, like Andre Wolfolk, when we took him, I saw him play in college. I was there, and I thought he was going to be a great pick, and he was a terrible bust. So, again, the opposite direction. I'm always optimistic about these rookies and thinking maybe we can coach them up and turn them into something or they've got a trait here or there that we can work with. And so I'm always looking forward to seeing them in action. And then usually that's when I get disappointed. Right, and I'm, I'm usually the opposite. I'm a little pessimistic and until I see him. I remember with Marcus, even getting Marcus, um, I didn't want Jameis Winston. I knew that. That was my number one thing going into that draft is I did not want any part of Jameis Winston. With all the off-the-field issues and stuff, I wanted no part of him. And then I really wanted Leonard Williams. I remember I wanted him and did not take a quarterback, you know, to wait it out. You know, I didn't hate Marcus. I, just, I had a little bit – I was a little bit reserved on Marcus just because I was like, is this gonna guy going to be another guy that moves really well in college and then can't find those rushing lanes, you know, those lanes – and the pros, is he going to be one of those guys that you know sustains big injuries trying to run the football like he did in college, and he can't do it in the pros? I kind of think I've always had that bias about you know college running quarterbacks that go pro. Uh, you always just kind of feel like a little you know skeptical just because of the injury factors and stuff like that. Obviously, Marcus has turned out. It's not that I hated that pick. It's not exactly who I wanted, but it was probably if I had a, a second choice, it would have been Marcus. But, you know, the, the Chris Johnson pick, I hated I hated it. I, I mean, I, I was mad. I remember being, like, steaming mad that we took that pick. And then he ended up having great years for us, you know, fantastic years for us. And, you know, the 2,000 rushing yard season, which was absolutely, you know, I mean, that's a milestone only a few guys in history have ever gotten. So, you know, I was absolutely in love with him then. So I was dead wrong. But normally I tend to, you know, I don't fall in love with a guy normally and, and I always find like faults with guys, and and because uh, you don't normally fall in love with guys, right? And and you and Matt normally do, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but you know, I was in the same position as you were. I actually got booted out of one of the uh, Facebook groups arguing that I wanted Leonard Williams more than I wanted Marcus. And after that first game where he just absolutely tore it up, you know, and just torched the Buccaneers, I made a meme where you know you've bled with. Uh, McNair now bleed with me and put Marcus's face on there. Uh, you know, the the saying being from Braveheart, I, I went and made that for him because he completely turned me around. So that's probably the closest to it. 
But like you said, I in evaluating both of those quarterbacks, I knew I wanted Marcus more than I wanted Winston. Absolutely. Winston was one of those guys with all of his off-the-field issues. I was already burned on him. I don't like almost anybody coming out of a Florida team. And then you add in that Marcus did such a good job of when he was mobile, he always had his eyes upfield. Uh, that's one of the things I I liked about uh, Tunsil. It's one of the things I liked about uh, Leonard Williams is as they were engaged with the guy they're on, they weren't worried about that guy because they knew they could beat him. They were watching him for the next guy around. And, you know, that's that's one of those hallmarks that makes me latch onto a player. It's like this guy is physically capable of handling his competition and is worried about the next play, not the play he's already made. And so Marcus, watching him run in college, at first I wouldn't know part of it because I don't like running quarterbacks out of college. I don't like those system quarterbacks. I don't trust anybody coming out of one of those teams. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is in college now, so you have to evaluate the other things about them. And right. so watching Marcus, I could watch him run and see his eyes were up the field. He was still thinking he was still making plays. And Winston would do that sometimes, but a lot of times he was just looking for where the hit was coming from or getting out of bounds and that kind of thing and just getting the yards he could get. And Marcus was always looking to make that next play. And you see so much of it. He's so much like a port guard out there. The way he you know, he fakes flipping the ball to people. He fakes passing and then makes a cut. It's It's beautiful for me to watch, and I'm so happy that we drafted him that if you could ever be disappointed in taking a franchise quarterback, he was as close as I've been to a disappointed pick because I would have rather have had Leonard Williams. And I'm an offensive line, defensive line guy. I would rather have built the defense first and then got a quarterback. And I've said it on this on the show before. That's where I wanted to go, and I was really glad that we didn't do it because there hasn't been a quarterback since who could even hold his jock. So we absolutely made the right pick, and you have to give it to Russell Webster for not fucking that up. That's absolutely true. You know, I was one thing as I was going to say, point guard, and you said it. Um, the other thing too is, you know, look at the quarterback draft since Marcus came out. You know, it's not been good. There's nobody that I mean, Dak is the only guy I guess that you could put in that argument at all, and that you know that surprised everybody. You know, another thing with Winston is the footwork. He had a, has a lot of arm talent. You can't take that away from him. But his footwork is sloppy and leads to interceptions. We've seen that even now. He's had a successful career so far, two years in Tampa Bay. But you see him throw off that back foot and throw interceptions. You know, it happens. You don't see Marcus do that. He's smarter with the football in his hand. So I'm definitely glad that I wanted Marcus over Winston for sure, but I wanted Williams, uh, you know, the most and the weight. But obviously, that was a great choice. And Marcus has turned out to be absolutely fantastic. And but moving on, uh, another thing that I do think about Corey Davis before we move on from him is his nose to the the end zone. Guy was a touchdown machine at Western Michigan. Now you join a team as that kind of player with a quarterback that is a superhero in the red zone and you know the best red zone numbers in the nfl bar none you know as soon as he gets within that 20 yard line mma is going to put it in you know that's that's all that he does he still hasn't thrown an interception inside the red zone he's absolutely fantastic when he gets there adding a guy like Cordy davis that has the size to go up over most cornerbacks you know has the ability to run past them and just has that nose for the end zone that's exciting. You know, make, you're making, if he works out and he's that kind of player in the NFL, you're making an already dangerous red zone quarterback even that much more dangerous. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a nice big target. He's supposed to be fast. You know, we don't have a forty time or anything to judge him by, but you can watch him on the field. He runs good routes. He's got good hands. He's he's a really good all around wide receiver. And that's that was evaluation when we first started talking about those guys. You know, going in between. You know, would you want this player, this player, this player? I said of the receivers, he was the most complete receiver. I still wanted Mike Williams, and I thought Mike Williams was a better big play guy as far as being able to go up and get the ball, being that red zone threat, because we can get down there, and Marcus is going to make good decisions with it. I think Davis has every opportunity to be a really good red zone threat, but also get you down there too. So I'm really looking forward to see what becomes of him. I think the sky's the limit for him. And as I said earlier, if Robinson drafted him that high, I'm going to believe that he can do it. Yeah, absolutely. No reason to to question the general manager, that's for sure. Let's move on to Tajay Sharp here. Guy was surprisingly productive at the season's start and then really started to slow down as the season wore on. He was still the third most productive receiver um, out of all pass catchers on our team behind Matthews, who we talked about earlier, and Delaney Walker. But we also drafted a guy that really fits the mold that Tajay Sharp was filling in Taewon Taylor. So... Do you think that Taylor forces Sharp down on the the death chart this year? I don't know. Um, I haven't seen enough of Taylor. My impression of Taylor was that he was never as fast as he was quick. He reminds me a lot in that sense of Kendall Wright. That's just it's not my type of receiver. So he's gonna have to go out there and prove it. He's got the skills. He's got the ability to catch the ball. Not great hands. He catches a little too much in the body. But, I mean, every receiver can make a catch away from the body, too. It just he, he seems to prefer to cradle the ball as he's catching it as instead of reaching out and snatching it, which is more of a Corey Davis move, which is why he went in the first round. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with it. I think he's a more dynamic player than Sharp, so he certainly has the ability to push Sharp down. So what we're going to see is how much work Sharp did in the offseason, how hard he worked to keep that slot position to be on the field on a regular basis. And, you know, if he does his job right, then there's no reason why with those physical gifts he can't, by at least midseason, be the slot guy. I just I, I believe they're going to put the best players on the field that will help us win. I hope he's that guy. I would love it if we had a more dynamic player as the guy who gives us the best chance. But, you know, if Sharp's that guy and he's just a, a guy who catches the ball, I'm fine with that, too. The one thing I wanted to see from Tajay Sharp this offseason was for him to put on some bulk, put on some muscle, and learn how to get out of man coverage. That is when when teams started pushing him man-to-man and, and started putting that press coverage on him, we saw Tajay really struggle. That was what we were afraid of at the beginning of the season. Early on in the season, he was, a very, he was our best wide receiver for a while at one point or most productive wide receiver, I should say. And then you start seeing guys press him, and he just he doesn't have like the, the moves or the strength to get out of it. So I wanted to see that, but I still think right now it's his job to lose. I think Taylor's going to have to prove it coming in. Taylor's got a lot of skills to like. He is he's a very clean route runner, gets more separation than a guy of his speed probably should. And certain times I've noticed on tape, you know, I like that in him. You know, the two things that you mentioned, he's like, he's more quick than fast in the hands. He doesn't catch the ball with his hands a lot, like, 
He, I mean, he does. He just doesn't do it regularly. He likes that ball to come into him. That can be a problem in the NFL when you're you're talking. You know, everybody always says in college, it's a game of feet. You know, when you're throwing the football, and in the NFL, it's a game of inches. So I mm-hmm. want to see Taylor really reach out and snag that ball out of the air. That's the biggest thing for me with with Taiwan Taylor's. I want to see him become a guy that catches with his hands solely and really reaches out and grabs that ball. Uh, if he can do that, I mean that's where it really comes down to to me is you know does Tajay Sharp get bigger, get more physical? Does Taylor learn to catch the ball with the hands? I think the guy that improves in, in either spot respectively the most. Uh, in this offseason is the guy you see on the field more often, in my opinion. Yeah, and like you said, you know, we, going in, we knew Sharp was going to struggle with the press. And they were saying all offseason that it's not going to be that way. He's going to be fine. And then teams figured out, press him. He doesn't have the upper body strength to get you off of him. And that was what he was working on all offseason. So I'm curious to see how much stronger he is, how much hand-fighting work he did. And if it's if it pays dividends, and we'll find out, you know, pretty quick here. You know, he going into OTAs, he was the number two wide receiver. It was just based on production from last year, and everybody has to earn everything from there. That's just the way this team works, which I like. You know, Davis is not the number two wide receiver yet. He's going to have to pass Sharp, which I expect him to do pretty easily. And then Taylor is going to have to come in there and push his way past Sharp. So they're going to have to earn it. They're going to have every opportunity to earn it. And just the best guys will be on the field. And I'm looking forward to seeing what new wrinkles they do with this offense because of that. Absolutely. You know, Taewon Taylor, you know, we're talking about him very productive at a small school and college at Western Kentucky. A teammate of Tyler Ferguson, you know, we've mentioned that before on the show, who's the quarterback we got as a UDFA. And we talked about the the issues that we have with him. I like Taylor. I think he's a good good wide receiver. So, I mean, do you think if you had to pick right now, Sharp and Taylor, who do you think is going to be that that third guy on the depth chart? Well, like I said, by mid season, I expect it to be Taylor. Starting off the bat, they're going to go with the more experienced guy because you're the third guy. You're not starting regularly anyway. So I expect it to be Sharp because he already he has the advantage of already knowing all the plays. He's already been out there. Marcus already has chemistry with him, so they're going to start with that. But by midseason, I expect Taylor to push past him. I think I'd agree with that too. I expect Taylor to do it. You know, it's it's too easy when you know a guy has a weakness that you can exploit like Tajay does, and I, and I think that. As accurate as Mariota is with the football, especially in that short and intermediate route range, which is where you're going to see Taewon Taylor catch 90% of his passes anyways, I think it's his weakness is less of a weakness uh, than than um, Sharps is. So I think that's going to help him you know, push past him uh, and take that spot. But we'll see. I think this is one of the more exciting camp battles that we're going to have, especially on the offensive side of the ball, is between these two. Let's move on down the list here to Harry Douglas, 10-year veteran. Only had 15 receptions in 2016, but it seemed like every time we needed a big play, Harry Douglas was there to deliver. You know, he only had 15 catches last year, and I can probably just think of five of them off the top of my head, you know, that were big impact plays for us. You know, out of having such a small sample size, so many big clutch moments for us that we needed 
you know, big first downs or we needed to move the ball down the field very quickly. Harry Douglas was there to come up with that play. But he still was a 10-year veteran that had a small role in this team. Now going into this next season, big question is with these new additions, you know, does that push Douglas off the team? Or You know, does he get in that area where he's on the hot seat? Is it close? How do you feel about Harry Douglas right now? He's kind of in the same position Macklin is. His production that he gave us can easily be replaced. Uh, it's going to be a question of how much do they value his experience and his familiarity with this coaching staff. If they're looking at this team, how much do you want to keep the fifth wide receiver around for the money that they're going to pay him? I, I think this is probably the year where he goes away because they have Weems as a return man who can play some receiver. We're not going to be running five wide receiver sets very often. And if we do, it's because we're flexing Murray out or something like that. We're not going to have five wide receivers from this group on the field at the same time, I don't think. I mean, it could happen, but probably not. There's other guys like someone we're going to talk about, like Krause, who's fast enough that you put him on the field just in the chance that their fifth DB can't cover him and he gets open deep or something like that. I just, I, I think that we added two new players pushed him far enough down the depth chart that even if as little money as he's taking, he gets cut. I don't see him making it. It's going to be tough. I think Harry Douglas, well, the one thing is, like, Harry Douglas doesn't have to be just better than the guys below him on the depth chart. He has to blow them out of the water because he is so much more expensive. You know, you don't really need a veteran there where you can plug in a younger guy who's cheaper you know, it's not that important that you have a really fantastic fifth wide receiver. So I, that puts Terry Douglas in a very bad spot. He has to really bust his hump and really work his ass off this offseason uh, and really show that he is, you know, head and shoulders above guys like Eric Weems and, you know, guys like Kevin May- Mabin, guys like Trey McBride, that he's much better than them. And, that, and then he's going to keep his job. If he's just slightly better than them, that's not going to do it because of the the finances that come into play. You know, at the end of the day, it's still a business. You want to make not the best team possible. That's not your goal in the NFL. It's making the best value team that you can is now the goal. That way you have the, the extra money to pay quarterbacks, to pay left tackles, pay guys, you know, at different positions that are more important. So, you know, a fifth wide receiver, you're not looking for the best guy. You're looking for the best value. And I I don't think that's going to be Harry Douglas at the end of the day. I don't see how it can be. Yeah, exactly. Next guy I want to talk about, Trey McBride. Young guy from William & Mary. He's been with the team for two years now, going into his third season as a Titan. He's he's shown some promise for a late-round pick. Uh, you know, but last year he had less receptions than Taylor Lewan or left tackle. So that goes to show you, you know, the guy we're not really using. With the additions like Weems, Kraus, do you think McBride now is in the in the hot seat of not making this roster? I, I think he is too. Um, he's another one of those guys where he's not a return man. What's he really giving us at this point? They'd probably keep five or six guys, but those first four, and after that, it's Who's cheap? Who has something else they're good at? McBride is okay on special teams, so maybe that's how he makes the, makes the team. I don't know that Weems makes the team, even though we signed him to be a return man, just because Jackson makes him irrelevant for the most part. 
But Weems probably has a better shot than McBride. So McBride probably goes back to the uh, practice squad again if he's still eligible. Yeah, I, th- I think that McBride's going to be a practice team guy again. I agree with that. You do see some promise with him, you know, but he's, he's just he's kind of like decent at everything, but he doesn't do anything fantastic. You know, he, he's not great at one thing. That kind of limits what you can do, you know, in the NFL. Because if you are great at one thing, they can work it so your matchup, so you you get to do that one thing. And I, I just don't see it out of Trey McBride. Eric Weems has got had one catch in 2015, no receptions, no action uh, in 2016, but is a return man, and he's been a decent return man. You know, we might, talked about it when he was coming in, a little bit overpaid for what we pay for a return man, but coming in, another guy that's going to be on that wide receiver depth chart, mainly focused, though, uh, you know, in the return game. I think, my opinion... Weems makes the roster, but he's not. I don't think he's going to be a factor in the passing game. Maybe a reception here or there, but he's going to be there as you know, as a return guy. Yeah, Weems should not be an impactful player for this year unless he's as a return man. Otherwise, we have seriously fucked up. Just he's he's not a great receiver. He's not a great return man anymore. So he may make the roster as a return man because he's better than nothing. But I think we have people that are better than him now too, so I I think he makes the roster, but it's just as like a backup return man. Yeah, I agree there. Um, we talked about some of these other guys: Jonathan Kraus, Kayvon Mabin, Darius Jennings, Braylon Cherry, Giovanni. And I know I'm going to say this guy's name wrong, but you know, Giovanni. I think it's Pasquiasio. I have no idea, but any of these guys uh, do you think have a chance of making the final roster? Pascasio, not. I have no idea. I don't know any of these guys. If I'm being honest, I'm just. I'm. I'm kind of looking through there, and you know, Darius Jennings has been around for a couple of years. He just he keeps ending up on people's practice squads and things like that. He he doesn't record stats. None of these guys stand out as anybody better than anybody else. So whoever brings something unique to the team, speed, returnability, something that they can do if they tackle really well on special teams. It, it, that's who it's going to be. They're not looking for a lot of production from five and six on this roster. You're right. I agree. I think that, you know, there's some guys in this list I, I like a little bit better than the other guys, Kraus being one of them, but none of them really stick out that much. And I don't know a ton about them, just like you said, Glenn, but... It's going to be, can you make a difference in special teams? I think it's going to be the big key factor on do you stay on this team. And it normally ends up being that with those really deep, you know, positional players when you need, you know, sixth, fifth guys. And at that position, how good are you in special teams? Can you make a tackle? Can you be the gunner? Can you return? Can You know, can you block? That kind of stuff comes into, uh, you know, a big factor and if you make a team or not, versatility, you know, if you're not one of the starters or one of the, you know, the key backups, how versatile are you? And that determines normally if you make an NFL roster. So now that we've talked about these guys, Glenn, if you had to pick right now, you're starting six, there's six guys, or if you think there's going to be less, who's going to be on your 53 man roster on day one, who are you taking? 
Weems and Krause. Will those be my last two guys? We know who the first four are, and I don't think that Douglas will be there. So uh, Krause has speed. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw him out there, and Weems has returnability. So we'll put those two guys out there as my last two. I don't see us keeping more than six. Obviously, you know, Matthews, Davis, Sharp, and Taylor, we know those four are there. I don't think Douglas makes it as well. I think Trey McBride has a hard time fighting off these guys. I'm going with Krause and Weems right now. I th- I will say, though, like my wild card is going to be Mabin. He's a guy that I've, I've watched him tape one, and I do like this kid. I think he could put pressure on, um, especially a guy like Weems, now that we do have a couple guys that could be very effective returners for us. You know, it comes down to, like, how many return guys, you know, are you going to keep on a roster? So that really threatens Weems' ability to stay on this roster. And I think a guy like Mabin maybe be able to, you know, make some headway, push him out. You know, that's something to see. But if I had to say right now, I would put Weems on the roster over Mabin, over Jennings, Cherry. You know, I just think that right now. But I think Mabin would be my, my wild card then, my, my guy I think possibly could make the team. But you never know. I mean, we'll see how these camp battles work out. Uh, I do think that the one to keep the eye on, though, is is the Sharp and Taewon Taylor, who's going to come out on top as being, you know, the the third guy and who's going to end up being the fourth guy on this depth chart. I think it's the most exciting position battle we have on offense this offseason, so I'm excited to see how that works out. I, I completely agree. This is one of those positions, this and the secondary, are the two positions that we were most worried about going into the offseason that we're going to be the most excited about seeing how it works out coming into the season now. Uh, just who's who's the last man standing at each position, how, how it works out as far as, you know, I think we know who's going to be on the roster, but who gets the start? Who's the guy who gets the chance to go out there and make the difference? And so we're, we're all just really excited, just waiting to see how this plays out. Absolutely, 100% agree there, Glenn. That's all we have for the show this week. Be sure to look at those T-shirts. Check them out. They're on our Facebook page. Uh, you can also find them on our website. Again, that it's twotonepodcast.podbean.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Two Tone Podcast or search Two Tone Uncensored. You can also find us on Twitter as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for Matt being on earlier, Glenn, ending out the show with me. We'll be on again next week, the show coming out every Wednesday, and you can find it on Podbean, the Podbean app, uh, iTunes, you know, anywhere you can find um, podcasts, pretty much you can find it. So definitely check out the shirts. Thanks for listening. Thanks to my awesome co hosts. We'll be back next week. Tighten up. Podbean. He he does. Shut up, Glenn. He does. I'm just kidding, guys. No, go ahead. I don't care. I don't either. Go. You go. No, you do it. You do this shit. Now, okay, look. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.